Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Be in the, the book of Galatians this morning. And as you can see in the bulletin, the sermon text is Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 2, through to verse 10. So buckle up. Um, follow along as I read, beginning chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I'd have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard from my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation that was before them, though privately before those who seemed influential. The gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, 
who seemed influential, added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lucas. If you would pray with me and for me. Father, may your word speak truth to us. May we be changed by it. May I get out of the way and only what is true from you remain. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. For the next few weeks or so, we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians. If you wanted to give an overall uh, summation of Galatians, you could say it's the gospel without compromise. We're going to be looking at the book of Galatians. There is no possible way we could exhaust the riches of God's word in this book. So we're not going to try to. We're going to look and find a few little themes here and there. Some of the themes continue, and we're going to look at it that way. We're going to take big chunks of the scriptures and go through. I'm not trying to avoid any problematic verses. That's not the case. If you think I am, and there's a verse that troubles you, and you thought I skipped it on purpose, see me afterwards, and we'll talk about it. But we're not going to go verse by verse. We're taking a satellite view. So we're going to be looking at huge chunks, and we're not going through every everything at once. This morning we want to look at something I think Paul is really attaching to with Galatians, and that is that be careful you don't forsake the gospel, don't follow a false gospel, and remain faithful to the true gospel. A few things of note just to start. You'll notice, as Lucas read, this is to the churches of Galatia. It is not one church, it's a bunch of churches, and Paul planted all of them. They knew Paul well, and Paul knew them well. Not only that, this is the first letter that Paul ever wrote. In fact, some scholars think it's the first New Testament book at all. There's some question, maybe James was first. Both James and Galatians were written in the late 40s, early 50s A.D., they squa- scholars like to squabble over a year or two. Suffice it to say, this is the earliest book. And that should give us great pause. Because as much as the church at Corinth had difficulties, and if you read First and Second Corinthians, you know that was a place with a lot of problems. Paul saved his harshest language for the Galatians, the very first book or letter he ever wrote. All that is to say that the followers of Jesus from the very beginning were being attacked. They were being attacked by an enemy. 
and they had to fight and Paul had to fight that they wouldn't be led astray. Led astray by false teachers, led astray by their own desires. Another thing that's important I want you to notice in the book of Galatians to prove to you this harsh language that I'm talking about and that Paul is fighting hard for them is we don't notice, we do not see here something we see in almost every other letter Paul writes. And we're going to go through a couple of them quickly just to give you a feel. See if you notice something that might be missing from what Lucas read early on and what we read in Romans 1.8. First, you don't need to look. These are going to go quick. Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith is proclaimed in all the world. 1 Corinthians 1.4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.15 and 16. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. Philippians 1, 3 and 4. I thank my God in my remembrance of you in all my prayers. Colossians 1, 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Those all sound relatively similar. There's one word or a series of words that don't appear in Galatians. Paul's upset with these people. He never says he thanks God for them. He comes right out of the gate swinging. He's upset. In fact, his first words, instead of I thank God for you, look at verse 6. His first words are, I'm astonished. It's not... I thank God for you because I've heard of your faith. It's I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. That's powerful. That should make us think. The Apostle Paul here is stating outright, he is accusing the believers in Galatia of deserting Jesus. Paul is saying they have forsaken the true gospel. The same gospel that he lays out in micro form in verses 3 and 5, or 3 through 5, excuse me. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That is the gospel, right? Jesus gave himself for our sins, so that we could be delivered. And this was according to the will of the Father. And it was for the glory of God. Is that not the gospel? And Paul is saying, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting that. Brothers and sisters, beware. Be careful. Do not forsake the gospel. The grace of the gospel that had caught them, that had grabbed them. And as we go through this book, we'll see in chapter 3, miracles were working. God was doing miracles in their lives and in their churches. That had caught that grace. They were now deserting. They were abandoning. They were forsaking Jesus Christ. 
And as we go through this book, you will see, they're not, they wouldn't believe that. They're not saying, no, 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 we don't, we're not saying God doesn't exist. We're not saying we don't believe in God. We're, we're not saying we don't think Jesus rose from the dead. Paul, we're not saying everything you told us is rubbish. Paul, we're not deserting Christianity. We're not following Hinduism or Wiccanism or, or Islam. No, 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 no. We're just adding a few things to the gospel. The simple fact is they were saying Jesus isn't enough. And that, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, by definition, is a different gospel. And a different gospel, by definition, is a false gospel. To follow a different gospel is to follow a false gospel. To follow a false gospel is to forsake the real gospel. By turning to a different gospel, Paul makes it clear that they are deserting Jesus and the grace that which he called them. Look at again at verses 6 and 7. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. There is only one true gospel. There's a myriad of false gospels. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. These some, these people that were causing them trouble, that were distorting the gospel, were Judaizers. We'll get to them in a minute. Why would someone want to turn away from the true gospel, especially if they had already received it? If I went around this room, and I don't know how many people we have here, but we, each one of us could probably come up with a dozen different reasons. I just thought of a few. Pride, arrogance, selfishness, self-autonomy. How many times have you shared the gospel with someone, and their response was, wait a minute, that's it? That's all there is? Repent, trust, and believe? There's got to be something I have to do. There's got to be the way I can prove that I'm good enough. That's a different gospel. And Paul's confronting that. By adding to the finished work of Jesus, you turn the real gospel into a false gospel. They're not denying Jesus. They're adding to it. By adding to it, you're denying the real gospel. The gospel they're following now is a performance-based righteousness It's a whole lot of Jesus and a whole lot of grace. But they're adding some some of the law to it. Dear brothers and sisters, be careful. Beware. Do not follow a false gospel. We will get further down the road in this when we talk about it more. But in essence, the Judaizers are men who came from Jerusalem. But Jerusalem, that's where the church started from. How could what they say be wrong? They came from Jerusalem, and they came to the churches in Galatia, and they said, you guys believe Jesus? That's great. You believe Jesus rose from the dead? That's great. You put your faith in him? That's great. That's not enough. That's not enough. You need to follow the laws of Moses. Specifically, you need to follow circumcision and the dietary laws. The Apostle Paul says that adding anything to the gospel he preached... To add anything, 
makes it a different gospel. It's not the same. Later in this same letter, Paul says basically that to add to the gospel is to come outright and say that Christ died in vain. So you can't have the gospel and add a little bit. That makes Christ having died in vain. Paul is very clear that he's not making up this gospel. This is a gospel he received directly from Jesus. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me, if you would. Chapter 1. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is very, very clear. There is one true gospel. He received it from Jesus, and he's preaching that one true gospel. And he's also saying very, very clearly that if you hear a gospel that doesn't line up with this, if you hear someone say something different, even if I come and say something different, it contradicts what you've previously heard, reject it. If you don't reject it, look at verse 8. You're accursed. Not a word we use nowadays. I'll put it in modern terms. Condemned. You're without hope. If you add to the gospel, you're accursed. This is why sola scriptura is so important. If you have a true gospel and you add something to it, you dilute it. A diluted gospel is not the gospel. A deluded gospel is a false gospel. To follow a false gospel is to forsake the gospel. If we can jump back just a little bit, I mentioned that Galatians was one of the first churches that Paul planted, and this is the first book he wrote. And he's accusing them of abandoning and forsaking the gospel. But how can that be? If this is the first church, we've got people all around the world, we've got several churches and you know them if I list them, one, one well-known church that says the traditions of the early church are important. We should follow those traditions, even though it's not in Scripture. Really? The, the traditions of the Galatians, Paul is saying, you're screwed up. If, you, if, we follow, if we had a book that had the traditions of the Galatians and we followed that, Paul would say we're accursed. We need scripture alone. We can't just assume because it was closest to the time of the apostles. We can't say, well, this is what the church did in 60 AD. This is what the church did in 102 AD. This is what the church did in 325 AD. They're so, if they got it wrong there, what hope do we have? The hope that we have is we have the scriptures. If they got it wrong in late 40s and 50s and Paul had to correct them, why would we assume that what they did in 102 AD that doesn't conform with the scriptures is accurate? If a man, a woman, anyone comes with a new information, a new vision, a new revelation, if an angel comes to you with new information, check it out. Don't just check it out with logic. Check it out with this book. How does it stand up? How does it wash? If it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't conform to the scriptures, run, run like the wind, or you will be accursed. Do not add anything to the gospel. 
I keep saying that. And then I start to think about myself. Do I ever add anything to the gospel? Do you guys ever add anything to the gospel unwittingly? What about your personal preferences? Your style of music, your style of clothing, your entertainment choices, your diet, your choice of beverages, or the, prohibit, or the prohibition thereof. What about your politics? Some of these things may be right. They may be good. But would you say if someone doesn't share those things with you, they can't be a believer? By doing so, have you added to the gospel? I'm not saying you have. These are things we need to check with ourselves. Am I so convinced that my personal convictions are correct that if it's not in Scripture but I think it's right, would I say you can't be a believer if you don't agree with me on these things? I need to check myself sometimes. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't want to forsake the gospel of Jesus. We don't want to chase after a false gospel. No, no, no. Instead, we want to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to remain true to the real gospel. In verses 16 and 17, Paul says when he first got saved, he didn't consult with anyone. He went straight to Arabia. And tell us what he did there, just as he went there. He then returned to Damascus. Verse 18 says, Then after three years, he went to Jerusalem. And when there, he met with Peter and James. Didn't meet with anybody else, just Peter and James. Then jump down, the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1 says, Paul ministered for 14 years. Then he went to Jerusalem with Barnabas and Titus. This is the Jerusalem Council. You can read about that in Acts 15. In fact, I encourage you to read about it. It's a fascinating thing. If you have two, I like paper. So grab two Bibles, grab two phones, grab a tablet and a phone, grab a paper Bible and your tablet, and have Acts 15 open and Galatians. Even Galatians 2 would be better. You'll see the interaction. You'll see what happened at that council in Jerusalem. This is the leaders of the church, the apostles, the disciples, At this council, Paul comes with Titus and Barnabas, and they report all that God had done. And he tells them, this is the gospel I've been preaching for the last 17 years. Remember, Arabia, then three years, then went to Jerusalem, then 14 years. That's how we get 17. Not good at math, but I can figure that out. At this meeting, the leaders of the church, with the leaders of the church, Paul tells us in verse 2 of chapter 4, verse 4 of chapter 2, Even at this meeting, there were false brothers. False brothers secretly wanting to bring them into slavery. Slavery? All they wanted them to do was circumcision and follow some dietary laws. Is Paul saying that adding to the gospel is putting us under slavery? Is he equating the two? It it seems that he is. It seems that he is. In verse 5, he says to them, about these false brothers, to them we did not yield to, in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. He did not yield. He did not say, yep, we'll follow this. Well, what happened then? We've got some brothers saying, you need to do this. 
Paul is saying, I'm not going to yield. What did the council at Jerusalem decide? Did they decide that Paul was wrong? Paul was teaching crazy stuff? For 17 years, had Paul been doing the wrong thing? Look at the very end of verse 6. And it, it's complicated because talking about who seemed influential, and, and that, that's relatively minor to this. The very end, he says, they added nothing to me. Well, what does he mean by that? He means they added nothing to the gospel he was preaching. Paul, what you're preaching, rock on. You don't need to change. That's really important on many levels. First, it tells us Paul wasn't rogue. He wasn't off on his own doing his own thing. He was teaching and preaching the same thing the rest of the apostles, what Peter and James, the disciples, and everyone else was doing. The apostles, and it mentions Peter specifically, so we'll mention Peter. It's that they learned the gospel at the feet of Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. Paul tells us he received it from special revelation from Jesus himself. And they mesh. They're not contradictory. The church that was established in Jerusalem, Paul's been preaching. We don't know how many years before the church was established and Paul got saved, but we know that he'd been preaching for 17 years. He comes back and says, Paul, you're preaching the same thing that Jesus taught us. Rock on. The second reason this might be important, I don't know if you're familiar with some of the secular attacks going on against Christianity today, but one of them is there's two Gospels. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but very little of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are quoted by Paul. Very little of that's even alluded. So Paul hijacked the Gospel. The Christians today are following the Gospel of Paul. Otherwise, they'd be following the Gospel of Jesus. But the Council of Jerusalem says, no, you're teaching the exact same stuff that Jesus taught us. Paul didn't hijack it. He's doing exactly what God taught him to do. What Jesus revealed to him. And they say, Paul, we're adding nothing to it. Paul, what you're preaching is good with us. We're not adding to the gospel. You keep up the good work. Peter will go to the Jewish people. You go to the Gentile people. Peter will go to the circumcised. You go to the uncircumcised. We're not adding anything. Wait. Maybe we'll add just one thing. Look at verse 10, the very end, uh, middle of chapter 2. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Paul, the council basically said, Paul, the gospel is by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. But the gospel isn't left alone. Put some feet to it. Care for those that God cares for. Care for the poor. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? The Old Testament is filled with places that tells us how much God cares for the poor, how much God cares for the downtrodden, the destitute, the foreigner. The New Testament is filled with passages like that as well. You guys know it. They, Jesus said, you've done these things. And they said, really? I don't ever remember seeing you hungry or thirsty or naked or imprisoned or sick and visiting you. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least, You've done it to me. James tells us if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, brother, be warm and be filled, 
without giving them the things they need? What good is that? And then probably one of my favorite verses from the Old Testament. Not very obscure. Most of you know it. Most of you could probably recite it. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This brings us all the way around. We were spiritually poor till Christ reached out and saved us. We were even his enemy. Romans 5 tells us that very clearly. Yet Jesus reached out and saved us. He loved us when we were unlovable. He forgave us for things we've done that are unforgivable. And he tells us to love others the way he loved us. He tells us to, love other, to forgive others the way he has forgiven us. If you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul laid out in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. If you believe that, if you've committed to that, then I beg you, do not forsake the truth. Be on guard. Do not fall for or be led astray by different gospels, by false gospels that sound sweet to your ear. No, instead, remain faithful through the good times and the tough times to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And share that gospel with others, not just with your words, but with your hands and with your feet. Meet the needs of other people that are made in the image of your Savior. Follow the gospel without compromise. Father, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you that Jesus came while we were yet enemies. And we thank you that it is a gospel without compromise. That you have spoken truth. You have revealed truth. And we see it consistent from the early church to 17 years later. Help us to be consistent even in 2023. Help us to remain faithful. There are things that come and tickle our ears. There are things that come and challenge us. We ask that you would enable us to remain faithful to the truth of Jesus Christ. We ask this for his glory. Amen.